1: The Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name's Martine and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of the show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First we talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help and then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership, we are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. It does not engage in any controversy, neither endorses or opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model, and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you're an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places. Prisons, institutions or death. If you think that sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it's an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink and this makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This programme has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery, and it has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who's joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. We're just about to interview an AA member who is going to share their experience with
0: alcoholism.
1: Right, so let's meet our guest. I wonder if you'd like to introduce yourself.
0: Hi, my name's Wayne, I'm an alcoholic.
1: Hi, Wayne. Um, Could you give us um, an idea of how old you are and how long you've been sober for?
0: I am 46. I had to think about that for a second. Mm -hmm. And I'm 15 years sober.
1: Cool. What do you do for a job?
0: I'm actually an exterior plasterer.
1: And are you married? Do you have children?
0: Yep, married and two older boys, 23 and 19.
1: Nice. And what about you? Where are you from and how did you grow up? And I wonder if you could just tell us a bit about your childhood.
0: Yeah, I grew up down south. I was um, just out of Dunedin. I was born in Milton. Mm-hmm. And then from there we moved down to uh, Riverton, just out of Invercargill,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And um, moved back up to Dunedin with my parents. So I moved around a lot of schools. Mm-hmm. And then she went back down to Invercargill to work. Right. And Vancouver was probably where I started drinking.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, down there for a year and a half, two years, and then moved to Christchurch, and I've been here ever, ever since.
1: Okay. And speaking about when you first um, started drinking, could you um, talk about tell us about that? How old you were and what it felt like.
0: When I first started drinking, it wasn't like um, like uh, I completely loved it. It was just I just drank, you know, and it was and it was all roses at the start, you know, nothing was a problem. Um, To be fair, the taste of beer, I didn't actually like it at the start, you know. Right. Um, Surprising to say that and I'm alcoholic today. Um, But as I got a bit older, um, I depended on alcohol a lot more.
1: And how did it make you feel?
0: I think it was just uh, play hard, drink hard. Mm -hmm. So sort of what you did in your teens. Yeah. So of course the teens went right through to 31. I was was 31 by the time I actually gave up. Right. So it was a bit like um, marriage and children and all of a sudden I'm still trying to be a teenager.
1: Yeah, sure. So that was your first drink. What was your drinking like at the end? Were you drinking socially, alone? Were you binge drinking, daily drinking? What was it
0: like? Yeah, so I was quite a bit of a social drinker. Um, I was the one who always organised the Christmas parties and bits and pieces and Christmas time was always a really big one. It was sort of like all the normal people come out and drink. You know, yeah. I quite enjoyed Christmas when I drank. <laughs> and um, yeah, it got to the point that trying to be a father, trying to be a boss and, um, and drinking just didn't work out. So it got to the point that it, um, the drink didn't really work after a while. I right. sort of got sick of it, doing the same thing over and over. I'd always get kicked out of the house because of my drinking and end up on my mate's couch. And this was happening over and over and over. Yeah. And at the time, I didn't really realise. You know, it wasn't until a certain point that, um, you know, my wife left the house and and took the children with me. So overnight, the family home became a house. Right. And not a very good feeling.
1: No, I bet. Um, so... Did you ever think it was a problem before that point, before your wife and kids
0: left? I was the type of person who always tried to control it. So what we're doing is um, I'm drinking to a point that um, I even got to a point that Fridays, I would stop drinking on a Friday. Because mm-hmm. Friday has always been a bit of a drama because a stressful physical job. You know, and um, never ate anything. And I put it down to all that, trying to eat before I drank, always trying to control my drinking. Yeah. And um, when I got home after a good night drinking and actually remember and wake up in the morning with no dramas, I always thought, yeah, I've got this. Yeah. But it never ever ended up like that. It was too many dramas, what I ended up getting to.
1: Yeah. So... At what point did you realise you needed help?
0: It was probably to the point where the family did leave home. Yeah. And it was to the point that I actually got sick of it. I was sick of the rut, the circle, while I was going around and around. And enough was enough. You know, I remember on my 31st birthday, a lot of people brought spirits and that for my birthday. And I put it all into the chilli bin. My father came around to drop off the kids because he had the kids the night before. And um, I gave him all the alcohol out of the house and said, "I've had enough. No matter what, I had got to change something." And alcohol was the first thing I had to change. Right. I was a bit worried about my blackouts because okay. I split yeah. up off the wife and everything, and I was worried about what I would do in a serious blackout. Right. So I used to drink the blackout. I was a real binge drinker. Right. You know, there was days that um, I could go without a drink, and yeah. it was, and it was, sometimes it was even a week. I would go without a drink, but watch out for the following weekend.
1: Yeah. So what sort of stuff would happen to you in blackout?
0: Well, it would either be like, um, you know, like I'd be dancing with the wrong person on the dance floor, you yeah. know what I mean, and I'm a married man, you know. Yeah. I wouldn't do that sober, Yeah. you know what I mean. And um, yeah, you, you, all your um, dignity and your responsibility goes out the window, really. Yeah, you know, and I want to be a good father and a good husband, and, and but um, yeah, with alcohol in there, it wasn't I wasn't doing that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Did you ever get into any trouble with the law?
0: No, it was minor. Um, Dic once and um, urinating in town as you do um, around the alleyway and arguing with cops and bits and pieces. Yeah, but it was no major. You know. Um, the first step of AA talks about emitting to alcohol. And it talks about one part there, a big thing for me is it talks about we can jump off this roller coaster early. We don't have to be a gutter jump. Yeah. yeah. And I really took that in. I still had the two cars in the in the garage. I still had the house. I lost my family, but I got into AA and I got that back.
1: Yeah. So when you were at your um, your rock bottom, can you talk about what what actually happened? Was it the family leaving, or what was it and and what happened, and how did you feel?
0: I think it was the family leaving. I knew that my relationship with my wife was really bad. Our relationship and the way of alcohol was in the road all the time. yeah and but I at the time of drinking, I didn't want to do anything about it. Yeah, I loved my drinking too much, and I wasn't prepared to actually stand up and do something yeah uh earlier on did marriage counseling things like that but the counselor talked about my drinking and how much I drank and (laughs) I wanted to get out of the room as fast (laughs) as possible and uh we weren't there for that problem I thought yeah (laughs) but um yeah when the family left and I loved my boys you know they mean everything to me and um of course my wife as well um I knew that something had to change. Yeah. And that feeling is, is, when you get into that feeling that you don't want to drink, but you do want to drink, you're at that in between. It's the most horrible feeling. Yeah. But once you get over that, and you get a little, a few days, a few weeks, before you know it, a few months, and you start thinking a bit more clearer, and you get the support of AA around you, and then you eventually go through sponsor steps and start doing the program, I tell you, it's a far better life.
1: Yeah, for sure. So could you tell us about um, about your first meeting? How, how on earth did you end up in an AA meeting?
0: First meeting, I was 26, and I felt like I was getting pushed by my wife. Right. Like, it was a big stick, you know. But I know now that she was supporting me into AA. I tell you, I couldn't have got out of there fast enough. <laughs> I was running. You know, and I never went back for another six years. Yeah. You know, it wasn't to the point that I actually walked in by myself. And know.
1: when you wanted to walk in, what was it like?
0: It was when I was wanting to change. It was it's getting to that point of, it talks about an AA2, having an open mind. We don't have to accept everything that you hear on the first meeting, but have an open mind yeah. and be prepared to sit in a few meetings. And that's, for me, I had to do that. I sat in meetings, I shut my mouth and tried to listen as much as possible. But all the old friends and friends outside of AA, I think they were sick and tired of me saying my story. I felt like a violin going over and over and over. Yeah. So I felt pretty lost. But AA, um, after time, you've got the right people there to support you and understand you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So when you went to the meeting, did you feel supported? Did you feel welcome? What? How was it?
0: Yeah, it was 15 years ago, and I can't believe it's that long, to be fair. But it was, you know, it was supportive. Um, you know, everybody's there, for the, uh, everybody's there for the same reason. Yeah. So um, no matter what, it's, you know, it was a bit nerve-wracking at the start. But um, before you know it, you've got three or four meetings under your belt, and you feel like uh, part of the furniture, you know. And there is people there to help you, and people give you phone numbers and that. And at the start, you more than likely won't ring. But over time, you do. Yeah. You know, when you're feeling bad enough. You know, it's good, it's good support, AA, And, and yep. there's mixtures of people. There's all sorts of people. And you can choose on who you want to talk to and who you don't want to talk to, you know?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So how would you um, describe how you've managed to stay sober this whole time? Because, I mean, life, you know, throws curveballs and things like that. How, how, how do you think you've managed to do it?
0: For me, I feel that... At the start, I sort of got a really good foundation, went to as many meetings as possible. Like Mm. I've shared, I didn't have the family around me. So I was going to a meeting on Mondays because we all hate Mondays. Um, And the Sunday I was going to a meeting because, you know, it was sort of like family time and I felt really lonely because my family wasn't there. So I went to a meeting. I didn't want to sit at home, what became my house, you know, overnight. And... um, the times when I drank too, I was going to meetings on a Thursday, Friday was my two big drinking days, Saturday was my big drinking day, so I'd go to try and go to meetings. Yeah. You know, take my head away from when I did drink. Yeah. And then um, I remember one time, it was, I think it was a Friday, it was around Miraval meeting, and we went to the coffee shop afterwards. I couldn't believe that people actually went to coffee shops on a Friday night. <laughs> it was just a new life, you know, yeah. and um, yeah. You are a bit tunnel vision when you drank a lot and you thought life just revolved all about drinking. Yeah. There's actually, surprisingly, there's a lot of normal people out there.
1: For sure. And how how important has service been as part of your recovery?
0: Yeah, I reckon service has been a really good thing. Um, I was GSR from one of my first meetings, um, which showed me a lot of stuff out of AA about having been part of a club or something or, you know, fellowship or something like that. Um, as well as milk and tea and the biggest thing i like about service and i've done secondary as well is you have to turn up you know even if you are a bit tired that night you had a hard day work and you're thinking oh i won't go tonight having that service will make you go and your service is only for six months or a year whatever it is and um it is good i try not to say no you know when another alcoholic reach out you try not to say no
1: yeah for sure. So how would you describe yourself and the life that you have today?
0: The life I've got today sometimes I got to punch myself you know pit of the life that I used to have you know um, it was always dramas it was always um, justifying my actions yeah. you know and yeah you know, I wasn't a bad person but I'd do bad action, you know do bad things you know yeah. um, as a father as a husband you know. And trying to keep that family together you know today like I mentioned my you know my wife and kids left you know they are in my life today you know and my boys are you know part of my life today you know and um, me and my wife just celebrated last year 20 years of marriage you know we had a weird gap but that doesn't make a difference and uh, the marriage that we've got and the bond that we've got today is just unbelievable, you know. You've still got days that, yeah, you, you know, she'll tell me off that I didn't do the housework. But um, there's definitely not a, a drinking and, and throwing beer bottles around.
1: Yeah. So AA is described as a spiritual program. What does spirituality mean to you?
0: The biggest thing about the spiritual thing for me was one of the most powerful things. I was like I mentioned earlier about the having an open mind. I think you've got to have an open mind. Spiritually, um, it gets stronger and stronger. Um, this is this is just for me. Since I didn't have anyone else and I felt like I was just chilling everybody else's ear, I said the serenity of prayer over and over and over, all the time. You know, And I still remember when you know, I didn't really have anyone in my life. I, at the time, I felt pretty lonely. Yeah. And um, that point of, drinking or not drinking, you know, and, yeah. you know, I remember saying to them, my power greater than me, what I call God for me, Yeah, um, you got to show me something, you got to, you know, I'm pretty broken here, and it just handed over to him, you know, and, of course, I never got any bright light or nothing like that, but um, the next day I went to a meeting and just keep going to meetings, and it does happen, and I know that today, spiritual things happen all the time.
1: Yeah. And what does a life lived on a spiritual basis look like?
0: That's a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to answer this right, but I don't know. It's like things are meant to be. You know, I wasn't meant to do this radio, <laughs> <laughs> but it's happened, and it yeah. feels actually quite good to do it. You know, and um, I've got someone that I'm sponsoring at the moment, and is you know my first spon- my sponsor, uh, my first sponsor is the same name. Um, just little corky things happen a lot. The more s- spiritual connected that I am, the more I actually see it. Yeah, uh, it's probably a bit deep for people to understand that. But um, you yeah, know, you just got to believe in something. You don't have to believe in a god. You just got to believe in something like who makes makes plants. You know, who who the universe could be just the the group of AI. It could be anything. You know. Sure.
1: So, what would you suggest to any listeners out there who think they may have a drinking problem? What would you say to them?
0: If you think you've got a drinking problem, you're more than likely have. At the end of the day, it's about owning it. Yeah. I think it's. I think that's the hardest thing because I've had some good friends that, you know, I don't want to say that they have got a drinking problem. You know, it's up to them if they want to. But I'm always here to, you know, to lend a hand. Yeah. But it's that point of accepting it. You know, and it's pretty hard. I went to AA for a long time before I accepted it. I doubted it for a long time, you know. Um, Why do
1: you think you doubted it? Do you think you doubted it because you didn't want to have to admit it and do something about it?
0: I think the biggest thing for me, because I was a binge drinker, and I drank, binged a lot, you know, and I was 31, when I gave up. I thought it was always, it's the wife, it's the job. If I get a different job or I get a different wife, she'd be more understanding. Yeah. You know, what I mean, I'd never ever thought about my side of it, what was my part, and the biggest thing is being a binge drinker. You'd hear, you go to AA, and you'll hear a lot of people who drank every day. Right. You know, they drank every day as soon as they woke up. I wasn't like that. You know, I could go a day or two without a drink. You know, so I found that a little bit hard. Um, and they take talk about listen to the similarities, not not the differences. The biggest thing is is what alcohol does when it goes down my gob it, the way it changes me yeah that's the reason why I'm an alcoholic yeah it completely changes me and listeners are probably out there thinking, well that's why you do drink to get that feeling to get that change you know and that's why alcohol is very popular out there but if it's causing trouble in your life, you know you can stop it yeah with the help of aA yeah I couldn't do it without it.
1: And the last question is: What questions would you get someone to ask themselves to decide if they need help?
0: Well, I don't know. If you're going with, without a week, without with with your partners or anyone, um, saying you've got a problem, if you're, um, you know, you're not getting to work at time, if it's causing issues in your life, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I could drink every day and go to work, fine. Like I said, I can have the two cars in the house, in the garage. I can have the house. I can, you can have all that materialistic stuff, but still be an alcoholic, you know. But mentally, if, you know, physically, if it's taken its toll, and deep down you know, yeah. deep down you know. But just reach out. It, the fellowship, is there's some good people in the fellowship. I've met some really good friends, lifetime friends.
1: Cool. Thank you so much for coming on to the show and sharing your story with us. For our listeners, if you've related to anything you've heard or you'd like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or you can call us on 0800-AA-WORKS. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show is every Monday at 5.30 on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesdays at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz, or you can download, subscribe, and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening, and remember if you want to drink, that's your business, if you want to stop, we can help, and you don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with a serenity prayer, as we do in every AA meeting. God. Go Grant Grant me the serenity serenity to to accept accept the things things I I cannot change, courage to change the things I I can, and and the wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.